1: Hey, everybody. Welcome to the No Film School Podcast Gift Guide 2023. I'm Charles Hain. I'm here with Jason Hellerman. Good morning. Gigi Hawkins. Good morning. And this year we are doing a gift guide. We always run one on the website. What do you buy for the filmmaker in your life? Uh, Odds are you might have found this episode because you know a filmmaker. This might be the first time you're ever listening to this episode. Welcome. So we are going to talk to you about, like, there's a filmmaker in your life. And you might also be a regular listener and you probably know other filmmakers. I certainly know other filmmakers. And you're wondering, what should I get them this year? And so we all have ideas. We each have two or even three ideas. I made mine various price points. I'm sure others did as well. (laughs) For what you might want. And we're going to talk about why. And like what kind of filmmaker or where in their career you might want to consider these gifts. And away we shall go. Jason, do you want to kick us off?
0: Yeah, I'll kick us off. You know... I think maybe we'll start with an internal debate that I saw I saw this filmmaker gift question on Twitter and I thought I would bring it in. The question was posed by Franklin Leonard of the Blacklist and of uh, many other <coughs> Hollywood things and he said, "What is the best pen that filmmakers are using? What pen are you using in your notebooks? Is there a pen that you're obsessed with?" He loved the Lay pen, which I, you know, I think is a nice pen, but I had a really hot take that as soon as I started writing and you know, continued writing throughout my college and then into professional life. I have a pen that I do think makes me feel smarter. And uh-huh. sometimes the placebo effect matters. And it's the Pilot Razor Point Fine Line Marker Stick Pen. And it's a pen with a cap and it's like black and sleek. And I feel like, you know, a box is only like $13. So it's not a crazy extravagant pen. I'm looking on Amazon right now. A box is $15. Uh, you can get it pretty much anywhere from any of those things. It's it has like a little yellow rim on the top of the cap and then is black with silver. And I just think it's really sleek. I love a fine-tipped pen. Yeah. Um, I don't have good handwriting, but I wanted to know if you guys
2: had any pen hot takes. I have two very hot takes on pens and I'm an, I am get a lot of joy from office supplies. We've talked about this on the podcast before, but I recently went to Skylight Bookstore in Los Feliz, a great local small business and that is just a staple in LA. And I did this when I had the post-set blues getting off of my movie. And I picked up a small pocketbook-sized notebook, a reporter notebook. The brand is Letrum 1917, L-E-U-C-H-T-U-R-M. And with it independently, I at the counter, I picked up a pen that fits right into the side of it. And it's also the same brand. It's fine tipped and it has a little capsule thing that lets it open and close. And as somebody with bad handwriting, but somebody who's trying to like slowly divorce myself from my phone, this is about the size of an iPhone, both the notebook and then you can put the pen in on the side. And so it's almost like I'm texting when I'm writing. It's almost like I'm scrolling on Instagram when I'm looking through my notes, but it's this good old-fashioned pen and paper thing. The other hot take I have about pens, and usually when I'm about to start on a new project, I get a pack of colored markers or or pens. And I recently got the the Muji uh, gel pen set. Actually, I got it a year ago when I was like starting a new system that I'll include in my gift guide recommendation, but I do like a fine-tipped color system. And there's something about like, especially when you're starting fresh on a new project, ripping out that new pen and or ripping out that new set of pens. And God, it is, it's satisfying.
1: Charles, what's your pen du jour? First off, I want to point out that we're all competing to have bad handwriting. We're all like, my handwriting (laughs) is so terrible. And I I gotta say, my handwriting is actually bad enough. I got special accommodations in school. My handwriting is bad enough. I was this, uh, diagnosed with dysgraphia, and even in the 80s, I was allowed to take all my tests on computer because teachers cannot read my handwriting. So oh my I God. win the band handwriting prize. <laughs> you do. Um,
2: Congratulations. And, yeah, thank Handily. you very much. I'm,
1: yeah. yeah. Fun, fun intended. Um, yeah. But it was great because taking your tests on computer was way better, and I gather everybody can do it now, but like, I got taken to a special room while everybody else had to handwrite all their tests. So I have strong opinions on this one. I'm going to go a little bit fancy with notepad, which is I have a Bullen stash notepad. It's a leather notepad oh, yeah. with paper replacements. It's pocket size, a little fatter and a little shorter than an iPhone. I got it about 10 years ago because I would notice if I was in a meeting and somebody else wanted to take a note and they pulled out their phone to take a note, you can never tell what they're actually doing on their phone. Yeah. Yep. Whereas everyone trusts you if you write a note in a notebook, right? I could be doodling. I could be doing anything in this notebook. It could be the Big Lebowski and I could be drawing dirty doodles, which <laughs> yeah. I never do because I'm not a very good doodler. But, you know, Big Lebowski, dirty doodles. But everyone thinks you are serious with a notebook. So I always have a notebook in front of me for all meetings because yeah. if I want to remember something, I have to write it down. But doing That's that thing where I'm like making a reminder in my phone, I, I don't feel like it reads as well in the room. So I, I'm a notebook guy. I always have a book. Notebooks a leather... may come
0: back up as we go around. You never know. Yeah, interesting. <laughs> yeah. Um, interesting. And then in
1: terms of pen... I'm gonna go real '90s here. So, like every other kid in my high school, I had a Pilot Precise addiction in high school, <laughs> where you know we all had Pilot Precise in our pocket. It was like a thing. Oh, yeah. But two problems with it: one, when it leaked, you'd get that gel, th- you'd get that ink stain on your pocket. Uh, you can tell I was only friends with nerds in high school. Right? Yeah. I remember- I was say, the-
0: Charles is about to hawk a pen, a pocket protector. Yeah.
1: But then, so uh, I don't know if this existed when I was in high school, but they have them now. It's a clickable. Oh, yeah. Pilot Precise. That is a satisfying sound. Yeah. I love it. And so it's the Pilot Precise, but it's clickable, so I don't have to worry about losing the cap and I've never had one explode in my pocket and I still get that because, like, look, maybe it wouldn't be the best for everybody, but if you spent all of high school with the Pilot Precise, you're so used to the way it floats on paper and it's just, like, it's just good on paper and, like, so I, the Clickable Pilot Precise was a, like a big adult discovery for me. Maybe they existed when I was a kid, but I didn't know about it. But now, as an adult, that is my go-to. The Clickable Pilot Precise.
0: One of just,
2: my favorite. Oh, uh, good. Uh, can we just do the sounds of our pens really quickly? Like, I want to hear the Pilot Precise. Nice. This is a podcast, after all. Okay, this is the sound of the Letrum 1997 Drell Griffel Number One. I to grab my pen. You hear that? Slowly opening and closing. Okay, and then Jason is sourcing the pen in real time. This is how we do it on the podcast. We do it live. The thing about pens, sometimes they disappear. Oh, here we go. The headphones are coming on. Okay. I'm back with the pen. This is the sound of the Pilot
0: Razor Point. This is the cap coming on and off.
2: Wow. It's back on. It's relatively silent. <laughs> Three satisfying pen sounds and I'm here for all of them. Gotta do it. Pens, I think they're amazing.
0: One of my favorite, uh, I love meeting writers and I met a guy a couple weeks ago, will not name him, but when I met him, he had ink stains all over his hand from writing and <laughs> smearing and I just was like, people can tell it's lovely. You're passionate about your writing. It is just one of those things and I think pens, underrated gift. My mom gives me a box of these pens in my stocking every year. So, you know, If you're out there for the podcast to your parent or guardian, tell them you want some pens this year. It's good. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the
2: Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You
0: never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting.
2: Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price Priceline. Okay. Should we move to the next one?
1: Yes, please. Gigi, you're up.
2: Okay. So my recommendation, and I've talked about this one other time on the podcast, is George Saunders' A Swim in a Pond in the Rain. It's a book about storytelling and it's based off of his lecture series. He teaches in the MFA program at Syracuse and it's a very prestigious, very small creative writing program. And this class is super like well-known. And if you're not familiar with George Saunders, his biggest hit was Lincoln and the Bardo. He does these short stories that are sort of these like T- 10th of December short story collection. Yeah. Say that again. Oh, I love that. Book. Yeah. 10th, 10th of, of December. December. Yeah. They're these like dark comedy-ish um absurd corporate short stories and they're just delightful and they're right up my alley and the 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 unfolding of the book unfolds like his course and it's told it's storytelling told through the lens of Russian short stories so Chekhov and Tolsky and you know things I can't pronounce and the reason I'm drawn to it I've never been really a literature person and I started reading the first, you know, Russian short story after the intro. And I was like, I don't know if I get it. Maybe this is just going way over my head. But the way he breaks down story and the way he breaks down the process of creating story reminds me of it's just so helpful when thinking about how to be ideating about your own work, about your own screenwriting. So I highly recommend it. His writing is just delightful. And, and I feel a little bit elevated when I'm like, I just read Chekhov this morning and boy, did I like it. <laughs> so that's my first recommendation. a Swim now, did in you, a did you
1: in the rain. Did you get that recommendation from me? Because I'm obsessed with that book. Or did you <gasps> get that recommendation from somewhere else and it's just coincidental?
2: A friend of mine who's not even in the film industry sent it to me and my partner. So, but so now I, I think I do, me, do but... remember that. you. So I love that you read it. How did you find the book?
1: I was wondering, my my wife and I give each other sort of surprise birthday gifts. And a couple of years ago, my surprise birthday gift was a day at the spa. And she was like, I will be solo parent for the day. You can go to the spa. And I was like, oh, I'm going to go sit in a spa and read books. And around the corner from the spa was a bookstore. And I browsed the bookstore. And I was like, I'm going to read this book about a swim in the pond in the rain while sitting in a sauna because it felt appropriate. And, you know, and so I sat in a sauna reading a swim <laughs> In the fun in the rain. And Say that was,
0: five times fast.
1: Yeah. Oh, it was just like, I mean, the book is great. George Saunders is a wonderful. Sitting asana, highly wonderful. Everybody needs a schvitz. So it was It was like a great birthday. You know, I have wonderful associ- birthday associations with that book. And it was, it's a great book. I mean, George Saunders is fascinating. I also am a teacher who, like I consider myself, you know, I, I do this thing and I teach this thing. And there's a lot that is interesting to me about that book, about the discipline of teaching. About why we teach and what we gain from teaching. And it is Mm. so clear that he has learned so much in his life from teaching this thing he loves. And, like, it, that book, like, you know, I'm not like burnt on teaching, but that book reinvigorated me about like the joy and richness of teaching. It's a really, it's a beautiful book. I don't love every single short story in it, but his love for every one of those short stories makes me excited to reread. Uh, the one or most of them I like immediately got why he loves them so much. And I was like, "Fuck yeah. there were one or two where I was like, I'm not sure I see what you see in this. But <laughs> yeah. the fact that you see it makes me excited to go on the journey of trying to see it, which is one of those things about teaching. Like I remember being in film school and having teachers show me stuff and they were like, "This is going to blow your mind." And I was like, "I don't know that it did." Yeah. And then you watch it two or three times until you try and figure out like why it blew their minds. Mm-hmm. Because you have faith in them that like they are on a journey, and you're going to go with them. And yeah. you know there are things to be learned and found in work that can be tricky to engage with on first read or first watch. And that was one of the big among everything I took from that book. That was one of those big things where I was like, "Yeah, I mean, you know, as a filmmaker, it's my job to keep pushing myself." Like, I'm not going to watch every bad movie ever made, but there are things that are going to challenge me the first time I watch it that might be worth reconsidering to keep growing as a artist. And yeah, that book rules. Great book recommendation. And book recommendations are tricky.
0: George Saunders also has, I think, is it Medium? Is that the website where people write blogs? Yeah. Uh, he has a really cool Medium page and he'll email you. It's called Office Hours. So it's like, like he's your professor and kind of inspiring you to write and long little letters and I am a subscriber. I do not read all of them. It's sort of one of those things where if in you're in the mood, but I always want to get it because I too like to be like, yes, yeah, so I got that George Saunders medium email. Yeah. But uh, but no, great, great book recommendation. Such
2: a fun. It's great, funny that great we're author. putting on this prestigious accent because like his writing is so not that and yeah, his exactly. voice it's is so, so down, yeah, not down that. Down to earth American. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just a quick little pro promo, but I was on the No Film School website, reading an article probably written by Jason. And then this pop-up Black Friday deal for Charles's DP class came up. And <laughs> I was like, oh, amazing. So if somebody wants to be taught by one of the greats, another great gift
1: for people it, or for yourself. it's it never crossed my mind that we would be pitching that in the <laughs> gift guide. But yes, it is. Yes,
2: it's and yeah, absolutely. And a great gift
0: for anyone in your life, whether they want to Learn how to be a cinematographer, or whether they're you know experienced and want to learn more. I think like you know yeah. we should you know publish that one.
1: Yeah, yeah, we should totally push that more. Yeah, yeah. there we go. e course, but that's not actually what I was going to push. I did physical objects for everything, and I went a little techy. Yes. I don't really cover tech news like I used to, but I do know a lot of people like a tech gift because it fe- it's like a concrete thing, and it you know. So I'm going to go tech gifts, and I'm going to go a little meta here on the first tech gift, guys. Okay. If you know a filmmaker, there's a non-zero chance that a podcast mic is a good idea for them. Oh. And I'm going to recommend the podcast mic we're all using right now. Now, full disclosure, you know, hashtag ad Instagram, Sennheiser donated these to the podcast. But I switched over to using the mics that that Sennheiser donated. And I used to use a blue audio. I still like my blue audio. I've had it for 10 years. It's fine. But I'm going to. Officially recommend because I've switched over and now use it because I find it way easier to use and interface with and it works better over USB and I like it. The Sennheiser Profile Streaming Mic. It is what we all use on the podcast. So if you were listening to those little pen clicks earlier and you're like, "Ooh, I can really hear that. You can really hear that because we're all using that microphone. In addition, there's two things that make this thing work really well that make me... First off, you're thinking to yourself, I know a filmmaker. Do they need a nice mic? Yes, for a couple of reasons. One, even if they're not hosting a podcast, every time they promote a project, they should be a podcast guest. Yes. And I can tell you that we've had some major filmmakers who clearly were recording off of their like headphones that came with their camera, that came with their phone and it was terrible audio. And we had to do all this working and cleanup. And it's like if they're gonna do 15 podcast interviews to try and promote their film, they should be having a nice microphone. So it's Absolutely. part of promotion. It's also if they're pitching jobs over Skype, they need a nice microphone. If they're Filmmakers should all have nice microphones. A lot of them don't want to spend the money on it. So if you're like, oh, what's a good gift I can give under $200? I actually think this is a really good one. And the reason why this one in particular, aside from the fact that they donated it to the thing, and you're all hearing it right now, is twofold. One, they cracked the stand. Every oh, other yeah. mic, you have to buy a stand separately. This comes with a stand. And holy shit, the stand's so good. It's you heard stand. Jason say, oh, yeah. Like, yeah. it just came out of <laughs> it erupted. He didn't, like, he didn't mean to say it. It just was like, mm. oh, oh, yeah, it's a good stand. And that matters so much. Because, I, you know, Blue, I don't even know if they make a stand. I bought some other stand for it, and I hate it. And it was constantly, you put the mic where you want it, and it stays, and it looks nice, and it's clean, and, like, they crack the stand. And also, of all the USB mics I've used, it's the one that works the most reliably. Like, it always yes. does the thing I want it to do, whereas I feel like a lot of other USB mics, and like, I've used a whole bunch, not just the um, blue, I'm always like trying to patch it right. And I'm trying to like unplug them. And like this Sennheiser profile streaming just works. So I think it does make a good gift. Yeah, I'll I say think that it,
0: even yeah. as a writer who isn't, I mean, I'm on this podcast and once in a while I guess other places, but pitching on Zoom, it's an underrated quality to be heard. I mean, it's maybe <laughs> everything. So I always sound good. And my wife steals this all the time for her meetings. She works in the medical field and she finds that patient's, When they hear her voice, like, love that it's coming in loud and clear. And I think, like, um, in our field, a lot of times, at least for me, I'm diagnosing what's wrong with the screenplay or diagnosing what's wrong with a project and pitching on the fix. And I do think there's just some sort of underrated stability in, hey, you're not choppy in and out. I can't, I'm not struggling to hear you. I can hear you, and therefore I understand and trust you to fix what's going on. That might just be pokem but I, no, I truly believe it's a huge part of it.
2: Yeah. I think it's such a good point and it's totally worth investing in. I feel like I have to disclose because I'm traveling right now. I'm using my little road to go mic. So a little guy that I started using before this the Sennheiser? 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 Um, but, but to that point of the power of setting yourself up for success for pitching and even meetings, anything where you're communicating your idea, because we have just completely transformed how we're working as an industry. To be heard clearly. And then, you know, I'll just put it up there. A friend of mine told me that I need to get a ring light for pitching. We were in the film independent lab. And when she had done like the WB whatever program, they were all sent ring lights because they're like, it's so important for people to see you. And her feedback to me was like, your personality is not popping on your screen. And I was like, really? I thought I looked cute. She's like, no, like we need to you need to be well lit and you need to be well heard. And and that is just one way to connect as a human. So you can like sell in your idea or convince somebody why this character needs to be the way that they are. Like it's worth investing in.
1: So full disclosure, I also have the same miniature microphone that she has for travel. It's called the Rode N T-USB mini. And it is the one that I leave in my house in case I have to podcast from home. It is the one I take in my suitcase in case I am on the road because we're on the road, a lot of filmmakers, and sometimes like it has happened where I'm on the road and during my lunch break from a shoot or at night from a shoot, I am doing a call about the next job or pitching the next project. That is our life. And that is my suitcase mic. So my suitcase mic is the Rode NT-USB. And I, I find it equally as good. It, is, yeah. it comes with a little stand. I it's like.
2: so cute. It's a cute yeah. little guy.
1: And you're like setting not it up the best on little stand hotel of all room time, time, table.
2: which is, yeah. But not the best stand of it all time. It is the cute
1: little stand. The it's Sennheiser the stand is the monster stand. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> So oh, that's a yes, great recommendation, but no, it does. Yeah, it, it totally does a great little job. The NT-USB mini. So both of these would make great gifts for the filmmaker in your life. I think Jason back to you.
0: I'm going to uh, dabble in some tech as well. It's funny. I have a lot of friends who are executives and we were all out uh, at a show last night and then chatting afterwards. And one of the topics that we talk about all the time is reading specs, whether they're mine and the the conversation hopefully goes swimmingly or other, you know, it was bad. It was good, blah, blah, But uh, the one thing we talked about last night was spelling and grammar, which you would think uh, more writers would be good at. But as uh, you know, it's funny, I am not. I'm not great. You know, when you're typing an idea or typing a screenplay, it is hard to stay on track and, you know, making sure. And then not the best fine tooth spell checker. And a lot of times I have to call my dad and then he red lines it and you wait a week. And I love him. Happy birthday last week, dad. But, mm-hmm. you know, it's not easy. And I will say my life and my specs changed drastically when i got grammarly wow. i think it's like 150 bucks for a yearly subscription it syncs up to final draft and i believe highland as well and it will just spell check your whole script you don't have to take all the suggestions sometimes you're you know writing in a staccato voice or doing something different but just in terms of spelling and grammar it is a sort of no-brainer piece of software not to sponsor anything but just something that like really helped me get that in line when someone's reading a spec you want them just to be focusing on a story. And I wrote a movie at this point a decade ago that will never be made for Team Downey, Robert Downey Jr.'s company. And I remember it was so hard in between hitting these really rapid deadlines to also sit and fine-tooth comb through it because sometimes you'd be working till midnight and doing whatever. And the exec who I'm still friends with there, the next morning would always be like, before I turn it, you know, I would turn it into him, then he would spell check it, send it back to me, and then we'd return it in. It was just hard for me, you know. I I think you know with other people and learning disabilities and lots of things out there, Grammarly has just made it so much more simple where I could do a whole Grammarly pass myself and give it to my dad or to a different reader just to scan through then. I remember the last spec I wrote which I just turned to my manager a couple of weeks ago. We used to do a whole pass on spelling and grammar and he had like one thing I had missed and I you know like I've never felt more accomplished in wow. 105 pages to be like, "Hey, you know, you spelled whatever wrong and I think it was brass, down to brass tacks. That wasn't even, you know, it's more of a syntax thing than anything. But yeah, Grammarly has like absolutely changed the way I work. It's really simple. It's also for my fellow writers who are procrastinators, sometimes really fun to procrastinate writing by doing a spell check on your script. But it also, I have it on my desktop. It does my emails. It spell checks my tweets and my blue skies. And all the other things. So Grammarly, I found it to be crazy useful and definitely worth 150 bucks. And again, that's like for a yearly subscription. So you know, if you parse it out per month, or pay for it once when you need a lot of spelling one month, I don't know what that would be, but totally worth it. And look, it's a boring gift, but it's something I
2: use every day, every minute of every day. So you know, dude, that is so helpful to know because I hire people to like, I pay my friend to like do spell check and I'm I always miss things and I just you're so close to it that you can't have perspective. So it's surprising to hear, Jason, that you because I see you as this prolific clean cut writer. And so thanks for being honest.
1: Oh yeah. So first off, we're not going to get into discourse about AI taking people's jobs by the fact that GG was just like, oh, I'll use this AI and stop hiring my friend. We're not going to devolve into that discourse because I get so worked up. So so I'm going to say two things about this. One, Grammarly is great. I've been using it forever. Like 2014, I feel like it's been around a while. But two, you should still keep hiring a proofreader because Grammarly is wonderful, but there's still going to be unique contexts and individual things that it doesn't catch. Yeah, my dad
0: still reads every spec and and enjoys it. But I I, I wholeheartedly endorse that, Charles. Yeah,
1: Yeah, I, I still think it is worth it. Like For me, submission drafts or anything going... I have one client that is a particular stickler for grammar, like everyone knows particular stickler for grammar. And so like we triple check, like I'm using Grammarly, but we're still triple checking because the things that Grammarly is never really, it's actually very good. It's like way beyond what Microsoft Word has ever been able to offer. Like it will catch context and it can tell the difference between there and there and like it can do some of that stuff, but there will be still things it just does not catch. So I still think it is worth keeping that habit of looking with people. But it makes it so much easier on the people looking at it. Because rather than having to catch a million things, they're catching like 14 things. So it's making the job of that person easier, but keeping the job. But yeah, Grammarly, that's a good one. I was debating whether or not we could make software recommendations. Because I don't know if you can give software gifts. I don't know how that works. But I like the idea. I like Grammarly. We'll find a a way.
2: We'll find a way.
1: I think you can do it. I think there's a way. Via
2: Venmo? You'd be like, this is specifically for Grammarly and nothing else. Yeah, it's a good business
0: write off too. If you've got your own business, like some of us do, right, you know, right off and then write off when you pay people to read it too. Yeah,
1: exactly. 30% discount right off the bat, uh, depending upon your tax bracket. Gigi.
2: Back to me. Okay. My second gift guide recommendation is a quarterly planner from Paquetto, which is a little designer thing. I get, I love office supplies, but what I specifically like about this quarterly planner is, the thinking behind it is that over the course of a year, it's so easy to become overwhelmed by like setting goals and working outside of it. So studies show that a quarterly window is the ideal setting, is ideal for setting and accomplishing professional and personal goals because it's long enough to really see results, but short enough to keep up the momentum and motivation. And so this planner is designed to help you get to whatever finish line you set for yourself. And you can start at any time. It doesn't have any dates tied to it. And so I actually started this quarterly planner on November 1st because I needed a break after making the movie. And it's really helped me sort of distill down the specific things I'm looking to achieve, keep it in that sort of like essentialist mindset of like, really, what am I looking to do? And it has the quarterly plan, a monthly overview, a weekly thing, and then every day you're breaking it down. And it's just, I'm such a person who needs the things to be broken down for myself very specifically. And that's when I can get it done. Otherwise, I get very easily overwhelmed and paralyzed about what to do next. And I just love this because it I've accomplished so much in just breaking things down into three months at a time. So I highly, highly recommend it. They come in like five different colors and pochetto, pochetto. That's the brand.
1: I I love the idea of a quarterly planner. I feel like a lot of people view a yearly planner and they're like, Motherfuck, I can't think about a whole year. (laughs) Whereas the idea of like, I'm just going to, you know, everything is about breaking things into small doable chunks. And a quarterly amount of chunk, a quarterly amount of like, here's my goal for the next quarter. Here's what I'm trying to accomplish. Feels like something that I can fit in my brain. So I really love that. And a paper planner, I'm not a paper planner guy because my handwriting as discussed, but a paper planner could be a very nice gift.
0: Yeah, it makes it tangible. I, you know, I kind of have a hybrid thing where I have like a really accurate iCal and then I have a paper planner as well where it's just sort of on there. And I also have one on our, you know, when you have the family fridge, you know, that, that incorporates other life events, dry erase marker. But, you know, I think Hollywood is such a cyclical town, right? It's mm-hmm. so like, I'm always like, okay, what's the next two months, three months look like? That that it is nice to then yeah, tangibly look at the quarters of the year, uh, you know, whether or not they're, you know, aligned with whatever, like the first four months or whatever, usually not. But like I always think like October through January in Hollywood is a weird quarter, you know, where you have mm-hmm. the end of one year going through, you know, the holidays, the lull, but coming back into Sundance and, you know, waiting for those explosions. So like I always view the Hollywood year starts kind of in February, you know? So it's like they, they are. And what, what's nice about the one you pick, Gigi, is you can really, I guess, schedule where your quarters are. You know, if there are mm-hmm. no dates or no whatever, you can sort of tailor it to what your Hollywood life is.
1: Love it. All right. My next one is actually something Gigi already sort of tangentially recommended. And I was thinking about it. But then I'm going to actually have a specific one. And it's the Aperture Amaran MC30. And the reason why I'm going to recommend this is not only is it a great webcam light, it is also used on the $80 million film, The Creator. And I interviewed yeah. the DP of The Creator a couple of weeks ago. Jason Hillerman helped make that introduction, which was great. And it was a fun interview. And he was very upfront where he was like, we're shooting on a $3,000 Sony FX3. Great gift if you know someone. Although I would say Fuji, if you want to get a young person a camera, Fuji XH2S. Although we're not really doing the two thousand dollars gift guide, but if you if you've got someone you love, two thousand dollars Fuji XH2S.
0: And if you love me, give me three thousand (laughs) dollars.
2: Yeah, yeah, me
1: too. Um, on that, in addition to using an affordable camera, he was like, yeah, we were rolling with like affordable lights. We were using these aperture, uh, 1200s, which are like $4,000 each. So like not a gift guide item. And he was like, yeah. And we also had a bunch of aperture MC thirties, which are these great lights. They can do like a Bluetooth mesh things. You can put a bunch of them together. They're magnetic. You can slap them on walls, but also I have a couple and I use them on shoots, but also they live at home. And my wife and I both use them as webcam lights. We put them on those little Manfrotto three-legged tripods. And they're just great webcam lights. They plug in USB. You can plug them into your laptop so they can get charged from the laptop before they're dying. The charge lasts a long time. You can make them warm and cool. My daughter likes to play with it. So like it is simultaneously a fun toy for my daughter and a webcam light and a light that could be used on an $80 million movie. So it is all of those things. And they're like 70 bucks. And it, what's great about it as a gift is, let's say you gave one to me because you were like, I don't know what I'm going to get, Charles. i going to get one. I already have a bunch. But they work together as a web. So you give me another one, and I'm there's more that I can slap on the wall and mesh them together with Bluetooth. So it is one of the few gifts in the world where giving it to someone who already has it isn't even that bad. It's maybe even good.
2: It feels like sort of like Pokemon cards. You can always give more Pokemon cards to your (laughs) nephew. I mean, I feel
1: like yeah. What is I feel like there's a headline for this podcast in the what is the Pokemon cards of film gear. Right. Um, yes. yeah. and uh, that, that is absolutely going to be the headline um, all right hilarious. what last is are we doing a speed round for the third round each yeah I'll speed it up okay my pick is
0: something we mentioned earlier so maybe we'll go fast it is what's the notebook you guys like I am I like an unlined notebook Moleskin, I do. I'm a crazy man. (laughs) Yeah. Unlined? Unlined, That's
2: crazy. That is crazy. Sometimes I
0: like to write the title real big and then I write underneath, you know, sometimes I like to doodle. Sometimes I do do the dirty doodles, Charles, you know, not even a great doodler, but I love an online notebook. Moleskin is the one we've all heard of. People use it, whatever, but there's lots of knockoffs. I just like a good, solid online notebook. I do think... If you're listening and you're like, I'm starting a spec this year, I'm doing whatever. I love to, when I start a new spec, buy a new notebook and put it all in that one. I write on the first page, this is the title, here's what's going in. And then I feel so creative and cool carrying it around. And I also am trying to use my phone less, which everyone thinks is a good idea for me. And you know, a notebook where you have to write it all out, even if your handwriting's bad, just gets the juices going in a way that I, I don't think do. And you can use those pens. It's like a great dual gift, whatever pen you decide to buy for yourself, for your friend or your family member and earlier, you know, grab them a notebook as well. Some people like lines apparently, but you know, you guys have a go-to notebook.
2: The best notebook I ever got was in 2013 in China and I've never found it again, but I am really loving my, I'm so sorry. I'm butchering this pronunciation, pronunciation, the Lettrum, the Lettrum 1917. It's, it has mole skinny vibes. Uh, but you know, I'm just so alternative that I'm never gonna be mainstream with my moleskin again, though I do have three empty moleskins at home that I like backlogged and I was like, and then same thing, new spec, new notebook. But I do like I, I feel like having something that's hardcover or leather, it almost elevates the work that you're doing where it's so we're so much doing work that it's like, will this ever be seen? Will this ever? Exist? Uh, will this idea ever come to fruition? We have to take it seriously. And I think the notebook helps do that.
1: Yeah. And I'll wrap it up with Bull and Stash, as I talked about earlier. So, Bull and Stash is a leather thing on the outside and it's refillable pages, which I like because with me, I notebooks, that. I'd get to the end of the notebook and then I'd be like throwing it away and it would have like a plastic cover or a big cardboard cover, like the elastic strap. And I'd be like, well, I don't feel good about wasting that. And the nice thing about this is you keep refilling the paper in the leather. You know, I've had this for nine years now. And the leather is getting worn, and the, but the metal pegs are strong. And I just keep refilling it with fresh paper over and over. And I, so I've, I really like the Bull and Stash leather notebook. It works well for me. I have the market, which is the small one, but they also make nice big ones. And I find it to be really useful. So I think, you know, that is a great gift as well. All right, guys. Well, that is the Hollywood Holiday Gift Guide this year. We only plugged our own stuff once. So I feel pretty good about that. And it was y'all plugging my stuff, so I appreciate that. Where can you guys be found on the internet?
2: I'm at Lost in Graceland, though I'm trying to sort of fall back from social media. And I'm, my work is gghawkins.com, which is a Squarespace site that I, I think finally I'm happy with my website. Which what? Is, I know. Impossible. I know. That's a gift in its own right. I know. A gift that you could give to yourself. A website. Or, not.
1: I mean, that is an overly generous gift. If we can tack on one more gift. If you're good at websites, giving a filmmaker <gasps> the gift of doing their website for them. But that oh. is too much gifts. No one That's, loves... So, <laughs> just buy them a $3,000 camera. It's easier than... Yeah, like, yeah, yeah.
0: That's a lot of gift. What about you guys? You find me at Jason Hellerman on Instagram, on Twitter, on Blue Sky now, at Jason Hellerman. Uh, and then Jason at nofilmschool.com. Please keep those emails coming. Um, some of them will come up in future... Ask No Film School parts of this episode and some of them just become articles for the website. So uh, send them in. I love not having to think of articles. That could be that your gift to me uh, is just uh, loading them up for me. Yeah.
1: yeah. I'm Charles Hain. I'm on YouTube and I I love nice comments on YouTube. Everyone on YouTube is so nice and I love it. So your gift to me is leaving nice comments on YouTube videos. Anyone's. Doesn't have to be mine. It can be any. If you like a YouTube video, leave them a nice comment because YouTube commenters are nice. And then uh, I used to be on Twitter, but I'm finally going to quit Twitter because Jason's going to invite me to Blue Sky and then I'm going to move over there because Twitter has gotten really bad in the last couple of weeks. And I'm just like, I will happily take a life raft. If Jason's there, it's got to be a good place to be. That is this week on the No Film School podcast. Everybody enjoy your holidays and Happy we will see you on the other side. <laughs>